Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Sanant. And I'm your co-host Rakshak. Welcome to episode number 27 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. And to our fellow listeners, did you miss us or did you miss us? Exactly. We do apologize for that little break that we had um, where we didn't record the previous episode. Um, and, you know, we just had a lot of things going on in our in both of our lives, so we couldn't get to recording that episode well. And so that's why we're going to present a short episode today for you guys where we're going to recap um, what happened in weeks eight and nine for both of our teams and then what, you know, what is going to happen week 10. And we're just going to preview that just for our team. So it's going to be a shorter episode. And then next week, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So let's get started. I am going to, we're going to now talk about week eight. And what happened in week eight. And what happened in week eight was that the Packers lost again. Um, but we finally ran the ball. Now, we did run the ball. And, you know, we had the higher time of possession, but um, we still lost 27 to 17 because our defense let up 17 points in the second quarter. And when you do that against the Bills, it's just very, it's highly unlikely that you'll actually win. And so, you know, even though we won the time of possession battle, we had more first downs, we had more total yards, we still couldn't score enough because Aaron Rodgers threw an interception, and then the defense wasn't great in the first half. In the second half, they were really good. They, you know, held Buffalo to three points and generated two turnovers, you know, so the defense fought back, um, but it just wasn't enough because the Packers scored offensively on only two out of their five total drives. One being a field goal and one being a touchdown. And of the three total, uh, three missed drives, there was one turnover on downs, the interception, and then a missed field goal at the end of the game. So it's just, it was terrible watching that game. You know, so the one silver lining from this game was that even though we lost, at least we ran the ball well, right? Like, Aaron Jones had 20 carries for 143 yards. Now, that's phenomenal. That's a 7.2-yard average, and that's exactly what we wanted. A.J. Dillon was also really good. 10 carries, 54 yards, so 5.4 average. So we ran against the Bills 31 carries, 208 yards at a 6.7-yard uh, average. Now, the Bills... The Bills ran the ball well against us, too. I mean, we all know that the Packers rushing uh, defense is not great. You know, they the Buffalo Bills had 27 carries for 153 yards, 5.7-yard average, and a touchdown. So it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Um, and in the second half, they just used, you know, the running game to keep, you know, the Packers' offense off the field. But... The pack, you know, the, the the Packers defense did generate turnovers. So the the problem is we couldn't <clears throat> capitalize on it. And even though we fought back and made it slightly competitive, we still lost. Hopefully, they learn from this and they feed Aaron Jones number thirty three at all costs. You know, there was still some hope in Week Eight. Um, 
but yeah, that that's pretty much it. And then the stupid call on Quay Walker there to eject him. You know, the incident was that you know he was frustrated and he pushed a Bills um, coaching staff member, um, you know, pretty aggressively. And so they gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and then you know that was his first warning. But I, I accept that. That's that's completely you know unfathomable. Like you cannot do that. All right. So that's good. But what then happened was that New York called back and and the uh, NFL, like the referee, the head referee in New York, made a judgment call to eject Quay Walker from the game. While we still had a shot of winning, they ejected him and that, you know, it was more uh, that allowed the Bills to you know, further their victory a little bit there. Um, or their chances at a victory there because Quay Walker wasn't there along with Devondre Campbell to uh, defend that middle position of the field. So <clears throat> that was a stupid call. I don't think he should have been ejected. I think he should have been, you know, disciplined for sure, or which he was, you know, one unsportsmanlike penalty and then the warning. But as yeah, stupid, we can't really control that. But at the end of the day, we still lost. Um, and on to the Eagles versus Steelers. Okay, Eagles versus Steelers. Uh, final score: thirty-five to thirteen. All I can say is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown is like the best connection in in the entire NFL this year. And I'm going to go for a beat the bill. It's better than Dak versus CD. It is better than Tom Brady versus Mike Evans because, my God. Like, I, I miss having a big wide, big threat who can not only catch the ball, but, like, actually open up the offense. Three touchdowns. And the first one, Jalen Hurts, had a, a good performance, 19 for 20, 285 yards, four touchdowns. Three of those touchdowns were to A.J. Brown. The first ball was actually a the first touchdown wasn't actually a bad deep throw that could have been intercepted, but AJ Brown just hauled it in and then he pulls off the stop the yard celebration. But that third touchdown where he mosses over two guys and starts pointing at them, I thought that was hilarious. And the fact that he was charged with unsportsmanlike conduct and then after the game randomly drug tested. <laughs> Oh, so petty. But but right now, if you were to look at his stats, Brown is on pace for like 95 catches, 1,600 yards, and 12 touchdowns. This is only after that Steelers game. And they actually, and the best part about this game, the Eagles actually scored points throughout the entire game, especially in the third quarter. And they had no snaps at the, at the red zone until Miles Sanders ran in for the touchdown. And Hertz now has the longest regular winning streak by an Eagles QB with 10 wins. And, and, and you want to say how? He beats um, the number nine, which is held by Hall of Famer Norm Van Brocklin, Donovan McNabb, and Carson Wentz. So, and, and I would have liked to see a little bit more of that run game. But, hey, if, if, what, if that offense is working for you and you're able to expose that Steelers defensive backs, it's so good. It, it works well, right? You don't, you don't want to change anything that is working for you. Especially without TJ without Watt, this Steel, there was like barely any, um, any pressure from the Steelers defense. 
Um, if you know what I mean, like you can't be like if you have Cam Hayward uh, on one side, you could just have like Jordan Mulata or Lane Johnson to like just double team or just continue pounding pounding the rock. But with the Eagles defense, it it was a good defensive game plan, but I don't know if I'm really if I'm really like satisfied with it. I mean, of course, two turnovers, Avante Maddox with a fumble recovery, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson with another interception. And the Steelers were actually held one to twelve yards, one one for twelve in third down conversions. However, here's my frustration, Anand. They were four for four on fourth downs, the Steelers. And this was due to a bunch of big punts and, and a couple of conversions. I don't know why, like why Gannon has to play soft on so many different times. And and especially in one, on one of the touchdowns where they did their own version of the Philly special, Pickett is going six for six on 50-plus yards. It is so annoying. Why do you allow long drives like this? But, hey, Pickett got sacked nine times, and special teams, you're going to be the death of me. But the biggest, inj- the biggest concern is that Jordan Davis suffered a high ankle sprain during the play, and Ian Rappaport mentioned that it would have been a four- to six-week injury but he will return at some point, meaning that Jordan Davis will go effectively on IR and that run defense is going to be exposed. But long story short, the Eagles win 35-13. They were able, and within 10 minutes to play left in the fourth in the game, they were able to pull off their starters. So good job by Nick Sirianni and to get those boys prepped up. All righty. Yeah, it was a perfect win for the Eagles. And... um just just watching the scoreboard and obviously my fantasy team having Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown on my team that made me a happy man that week um so on to week 9 uh Packers versus Lions well there goes our season um we are now 3 and 6 heading into the Cowboys um game at Lambeau Field, but that's not going to matter much. Uh, the fact that we couldn't score more than nine points on statistically one of the worst defenses this year speaks volumes of just how our performance, uh, our offense performed, especially Arod. They were pathetic, and Arod sucked. He had three interceptions. He had a he had a QBR of 24.9 out of 100. He had a quarterback oh my God. rating. Yeah, he had a quarterback rating of 53.5 out of 153.3. <laughs> he had Ooh. just one touchdown. Oh my god. It's probably his worst performance in his entire career. And it came in a week where this was a should win game because the Lions are the Lions. Or at least they, at least we thought they were. Their defense <laughs> was. They are who you thought they were, and you let them off the hook. <laughs> exactly, and it, 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 it's not like we weren't moving the football, right? Even though Aaron Rodgers was inaccurate, right? On our first three drives on the offense, okay. Um, I'm not gonna. We moved the ball for a combined 196 yards on just the first three dri- uh, drives on offense. But what happened? The first drive ended in a goal line interception. Uh, five five yards out, 
Aaron Rodgers threw an interception. Second in, uh, second drive, it ended in a goal line interception. And then the third one was just um, a turnover on downs. After the play was reviewed uh, with uh, Alan Lazard making a 26-yard catch, play was reviewed, it was um, reversed, and, you know, they turned it over on downs because it was fourth and three when he threw that ball. So, like, even though we were moving the ball up and down, we couldn't finish. Aaron Rodgers was deathly inaccurate. The receivers were dropping catches left and right. The play calling was god-awful and abysmal. And we didn't run the ball efficiently. Again, just after, just after running at a clip of 6.7 yards average against the Buffalo Bills, we could barely muster a 4.2 average against the freaking Detroit Lions. Like, come on. It was... And then obviously, with if the defense is, uh, you know, putting up a good fight in the first half and the offense cannot score points... Obviously, the defense is going to be tired, and that's been the story of this entire season mostly is where the defense tries in the first quarter, uh, first half, and then they just get too tired because the offense couldn't score points in, uh, initially. And so then, you know, they just gave up. The, the, the defense gave up a crucial touchdown on a five-minute drive from the Lions. That just made the score 15 to 6. And, you know, it was just terrible to watch. I mean, I've never seen such offensive ineptitude from the Packers. I've never seen this bad of, a, of an offensive performance against this type of a team. The Lions are not talented, they have a couple of good young players, but. They're the Lions. They're two and six for a reason. Like, it's so frustrating to see Aaron Rodgers stink so bad, to see the play calling suck so bad, to have the wide receivers not catch anything. Alan Lazard had 10 targets. He only caught four balls. Half of those were probably underthrown and, you know, overthrown or just inaccurate from Aaron Rodgers. Samari Toure, four targets, two catches. Tunyon, Four targets, three catches. That missed target was the interception that Aaron Rodgers threw. The second one that was that was a seam throw, but Aaron Rodgers threw it behind. He said, uh, "You know, the window that he saw was not the same thing that he has seen before." I don't know what he was saying about that. I mean, I guess he was saying that you know it fooled him in terms of like it, it wasn't what he thought he was because typically he makes those throws. You know, that's an Aaron Rodgers throw. Like, obviously, any other quarterback would have thrown an interception there. But Prime, like, at least last year, Aaron Rodgers would have made that seam throw, splitting the splitting the safety and the, and the linebacker up the seam. And, you know, that would have been a touchdown. But Aaron Rodgers threw an interception there instead this game. Um, and then, you know, Christian Watson, he had two targets, two catches. So that's fine. But then you have, you know, Romeo Dobbs, who went out. Um, with an injury, AJ Dillon to uh, miss targets. He had four targets. He just had two catches. Sammy Watkins had five targets and he only caught one. David Bakhtiari, there was one target on that uh, end zone uh, goal line 
play, but Aaron Rodgers threw an interception instead. Um, and I will give credit to Aaron Rodgers. He did accept it. He owned it. You know, he owned his mistakes. You know, he said that that was he he, he performed terribly. So at least I'll give him that. But it was so frustrating to watch. I mean, like you cannot score nine points against one of the worst defenses in the league. And now we're going up against the Cowboys, which I'll talk about later, but they're one of the best defenses in the league. Um, and, you know, the defense also got tired because the offense just shat the bed constantly. Um, and then worst of all, it wasn't just the offensive and defensive performances. It was the fact that we lost a bunch of players due to injury. John Runyon Jr., who's now questionable to return. Eric Stokes, our second cornerback, is likely done for the entire season. Romeo Dobbs, our promising fourth-round rookie wide receiver, who started to develop some sort of a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking this with the cubic meter of salt right now, but at least he started to develop some sort of a relationship. He's out four to six weeks. Aaron Jones was injured during the game, but he's he came back during the game. Uh, but he's also questionable. And then Rashawn Gary, our best pass rusher, uh, out of something that is inexistent almost, went on IR. So we basically lost like four. I would say all five of them were starters. We lost almost all of our starters except for Aaron Jones. I mean, he 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 went out and then he came back. Um, to injury for multiple weeks, especially Eric Stokes. He's done for the year. Rashawn Gary likely done for the year. I mean, if he's on IR, I don't know if we don't even win a game in the next month or two. In the next month, month and a half, then I don't think they're gonna rush Rashawn Gary back. Um. They're probably going to see Enigbari even more. <sighs> Romeo Dobbs out four to six weeks. It's not good. Our season's done. I mean, we're three and six. It may, mathematically speaking, we're just a game and a half behind the playoffs. But <clears throat> if you look at the tape, if you look at the NFC standings right now, let me just let me just bring that up. Just just let me bring the NFC standings. Um, where is it? Conference. Okay. Eagles are first, obviously eight. No, uh, Vikings are second, seven and one Cowboys are third, six and two giants are third, fourth, six and two. Um, so the playoff spot, right? Actually, let me look up the playoff, um, NFL playoff picture. Okay. So right now, if you know, if the playoffs were to start right now, the Eagles would be number one seed, Vikings number two, Seahawks would be number three because they're six and three in the NFC West. The Seahawks are six and three with Geno Smith. <laughs> this is pure chaos in the NFL, my man. And we're all living in it. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, 
Buccaneers are four and five only because they have the better record against the rest of the NFC South. So they're at number four. The Cowboys are at number five at six and two, and the Giants are number five, uh, six at six and two, and the 49ers at number seven at four and four. So we are behind the Commanders, the Falcons, the Rams. We are 11th right now in terms of, um, Playoff picture, but <laughs> we we don't look like a play. We don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. We don't look like a playoff team. We don't deserve to be in the playoff playoffs. It's abysmal. Just the way that the Packers are playing right now. It's I have no words other than pathetic, miserable, abysmal. Any other synonym you can find out there frustrating to say the least but that's it from my side what about the eagles man oh man i do feel so sorry for your team dude like i honestly man and i'm going to send an invitation to all packers fans starting with you join i will allow a bandwagon application and um it for it to become bandwagon eagles fans we will allow it for the years so that we can always triumph over any other team, especially the Dallas Cowboys. But, but, it, but this game was a Thursday night game. And of course, from a Sunday to Thursday, the visiting team is always going to have a disadvantage because they've just played through a game. They're not going to have any breaks. And, and, and this could be a potential trap-in because it's the Houston Texans, right? Yeah, you know, hey, Anna, this is Houston, Texas, so the Eagles should have won easily, right? You know, just hypothetically speaking. Nope. Guess what happened? 29 to 17. This was too close for comfort, man. Like, too close for comfort. And I have to start off with this. The Eagles' defense was gashed at the run game. And apparently, they could not tackle they could not tackle or bring down Damian Pierce, who rushed for 27 carries, 139 yards. Are you freaking kidding me? If you're allowing like a rookie running back like Damian Pierce to run over you just because you, after a Texas defense allowed Derrick Henry to run over them for 200 plus yards, I mean, come on. Like, uh, you can't just go on and on. Just you—you know, you can't just go into the field position, Jonathan Gannon. Even if you don't have Jordan Davis, you're supposed to come up with a game plan. Apparently, people are scouting over you. But anyway, you want to know what the worst crime of it is? All the first play, the first touchdown pass that the Texans started. The first drive was a touchdown drive, and Davis Mills was apparently playing like Joe freaking Montana. Like on the very first drive, and if I were to pull up his stats from the from the Eagles Texans game, I mean, Davis Mills three thirteen for twenty two yards, fifty hundred fifty four, thirteen for twenty two hundred fifty four yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. But come on, and you want even more egregious, dude? You had Jonathan Gannon. He was pulling defensive ends back into coverage, especially when playing zone. And you're playing some soft defense? Are you joking? 
Anand, are you kidding me? You don't, you're you bringing learned, defensive end. He's learned from the Mike Pettin school of defense. Oh, God. Yep. The only saving think- grace from that... Yeah, the only saving grace from that game was that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had a game-changing interception in the second half, especially in the third quarter, and that swung that momentum, especially when the score was tied 14-14. to Yes, the Eagles were held to seven to just a touchdown in the second quarter, which is where we do surprisingly very, very good. And Jake Elliott missed a field goal kick, so that really was upsetting. But the fact that it was tied 14-14 to and – and defense was playing so bad until that interception. And, the, I mean, like, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, like, definitely changed that momentum. And he now leads the NFL with, five, with uh, five interceptions, which also is his career best. And he's a ball magnet. And shout-out to Javon Hargrave with three sacks and, and a team-leading seven tackles of the game. Not too bad. Um, unfortunately, but with the Eagles offensive line, the Eagles offense looked really, really shaky at some points, but, um, Jalen Hurts led the way he did have, um, he was, um, not too bad. 21 for 27, 243 yards, two touchdowns. And this was a game. And if you had that, um, when you, when you're looking at all the weapons that the Eagles have, I want you to take a guess on it and tell me which, which one, um, performed very well. Was it AJ Brown? Was it Dallas Goddard? Was it Quez Watkins? Or was it Devontae Smith? Dallas Goddard. Yes, indeed. Eight receptions, 100 yards. He had a 100-yard He had a 100-burger and a touchdown. And, and yes, of course, A.J. Brown caught a touchdown just after the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson interception um, in, 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 in Houston Territory. Um, two plays later, Jalen Hurts throws a dime to A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown catches it. So good. And one error I saw that was Jalen Hurts had a fumble um, in, the second, in, the first, in the second quarter, um, which I believe this was a rare mistake and a rare snap from Jason Kelsey. And the Eagles only, only gave up one turnover, but they, were able to like sh- um, but they were able to win this game with a positive turnover differential, which is – which is absurd. They're like, and um, and if I were to check on ESPN stats right now on turnover differential, do you want to know who is number one? Um, you want to know who's number one on turnover differential? The Eagles. They have a fifteen-plus turnover di- differential with eight games just played. They've mm. only given up. Yeah, Eagles have forced eighteen tur- takeaways. 12 interceptions and six fumbles. When compared to Galeway's, Hurst has only thrown for two interceptions and one fumble. That is amazing. Matt. And, and, and guess who's number two? Baltimore with a, only a plus seven differential. Then come the Cowboys and the Vikings tied for six. Gotcha. 15. Yeah. And also, the running game does wonders. This is a huge scientific discovery. Did you know that, Anand? When you run the ball extremely well, good things are about to happen. Did you know that, Professor Anand? No, I mean, apparently the Packers don't know that. So maybe we need to give them a lecture in running the football. Yes, especially with Miles Sanders. 17, 
17 carries, 93 yards, one touchdown. And there was one play in which Miles Sanders stiffed arm Derek Stingley Jr. to the crowd. I'm like, I saw that, man. I'm like, bro, I get that you want your money and you're you're scoring a lot of touchdowns, but man, not on the rookie. Come Mm -hmm. on. It's this big moment. But then again, who cares? I wanted them to win this game and get out of it because, and, um, and in total, Eagles rush 31, 31 carries, 143 yards, two touchdowns, both from Sanders and Gainwell. But it was a very, very shaky game. I would have liked to see a little bit more passing towards Devontae Smith and um, Quez Watkins. But whatever this offense is working, I mean, the Eagles can hurt you in so many different ways, especially in the, in, on offense. The the wide receipt like the receiving core with Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, and and the Batman. I'm calling the I'm calling the the Philadelphia wide receiving room the Batman in honor of Darius Slay, and 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 to everyone's surprise and my shock of all, um, the late Kevin Conroy who just passed away today. I'm at the age of 66, so R.I.P. to be to the voice of Batman, and in the turn and in the turn the Batman. And AJ Brown had a had a strong game, but um, yes, but this Eagles offense they can gash you with the run. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind. The wide receiving group, the receiving group, and the tight ends are playing so well. Defense are able to force turnovers and generate pressures. Man, it is so so fun to be an Eagles fan right now. But come on. If you can control the run game, you've won this game. But, uh, but anyway, a win is a win. I will take that. Eagles won 29-17 um, over the Houston Texans. All righty. So that was a wonderful recap of both both weeks 8 and 9. Now on to the week 10 preview. <clears throat> Packers versus Cowboys. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh I God! So I was so hyped for this, uh, you know, for this game, um, back when the schedule was was released, and I'm like, you know what, Aaron Rodgers is going to continue the record of pounding the Cowboys into oblivion. Um, this is going to be in Lambeau Field. You know, I was looking at buying tickets, and they were like all sold out within like the first couple, like first couple of weeks when the schedule was was released. And there were a single Ooh. ticket going for like four hundred dollars, way up in the in the stands. Four hundred bucks. Yeah, single tickets, way up in the stands. Not even close to like the field. Now I just checked, uh, just for fun. It's two hundred and twenty, like row thirty in near the end zone. Two hundred twenty. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, we will lose badly. 30 to 10 easily. There is no competition between the Packers and the Cowboys. I am surprised that I'm that I'm saying this. I thought it would be the opposite where the Packers would be great and the Cowboys would stink, but unfortunately that's not the case because the Cowboys have the number 1 ranked defense in terms of overall DVOA right now. The number 1 defense. It's not Buffalo, it's not Philly. It's not, you know, Denver. It is the Dallas Cowboys. Whoa, 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 whoa. What horrible crime is this? Who on God's green earth decided to put the Cowboys in 
as the number one defense. I thought it would be like the 49ers, not that the game back healthy, and even or even, yes, the Denver Broncos, but apparently it's the Cowboys. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the first, uh, so the first 10 defenses in terms of overall DVOA, Dallas, number one at negative 18.5, Denver at negative 18.4, Philly at negative 16.3, Buffalo, number four at negative 14.5, the Patriots at negative 14.2. The Jets, number six at negative 9.7. The Bucks, number seven, 9.3. The Bengals at eight, minus 6.6. San Francisco, nine, minus 6.5. And then Tennessee rounding out the top 10 at negative 5% overall DVOA. And wow, the Cowboys are number one. They're third in pass defense in terms of uh, allowing negative 27.2% uh, DVOA. And they are also ninth in terms of rushing DVOA, allowing negative 7.9%. Now, uh, so for those of... Um, for those of you guys who don't know what DVOA means... It's a measure of um, the, okay, I'm just going to go back. DVOA is a measure that calculates the amount of separation that an offense or a defensive unit has against the uh, average NFL team for that year. And so it's basically, you know, on a per play basis, how successful how much of a difference they are uh do they have in terms of you know uh the average nfl team and so in defense you know positive numbers means more scoring because the you know the the opponents would be better at scoring against you and so in terms of defense negative is better that means the opponent stinks compared uh compared to you versus the average NFL defense so just a uh, a little bit of an information onto that um and then you know the packers we're not bad we're 18th overall but ninth in terms of pass defense which is to be expected but 31st in rush defense <laughs> 31st no who has a better rush defense who the Falcons? Oh, the Raiders. <laughs> oh my God! The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a better run defense than we do. It's Good goodness! It's goodness. It's, it's not good. And like you mentioned about the Eagles, uh, they're also not that great, too. They're 27th in the league in terms of rush DVOA. Um, yeah, we, slightly, we cannot stop the run, apparently. Slightly behind the Lions. Yeah, unless Jonathan Gannon gets his crap together and that Jordan Davis comes back healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not yeah. surprised by that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back. Um, not only do the Dallas Cowboys have a top 
have the top-ranked defense. Their pass rush is also best in the league at generating sacks. Why? Uh, because they generate 10.6% in terms of adjusted sack rate, and they have a total of 33 sacks so far. Excuse me, so far in the season, which is number one, best in the league. And so we know that the Dallas Cowboys defense is great. Um, and not only do they stop the run, they also stop the pass. They also rush the pass, uh, rush the QB well. Um, and in terms of the offensive side, their running game is really good. It's ranked ninth in the league. They have an adjusted line yards at uh, 4.72 yards. And that's the, but that's the only thing that Green Bay is better at than Dallas is running the football. Shocker. Um, because we are, oh my god, what a discovery! (laughs) What a discovery when you run the ball, you're successful because we run, uh, we we typically get five around five yards, uh, adjusted line yards, um, which is ranked third in the league, and so. That's if we run the ball, then we have a shot. Like, clearly, if we don't run the ball, then we don't have a chance at winning, right? If we do run it, every drive has to... The the only silver lining in this is that if we do run the football, every single drive has to run, has to end in a score. Because the Cowboys score on 37.5% of their drives, which is ranked 14th in the league. So it's not a, a completely explosive team, but they do have the capability of getting those home run hits with Tony Pollard um, or CD lamb, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Either way, we have to score every single time. Right. But knowing the Packers, especially Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they are not going to do it. They're not going to run the football. They will try to be cute and force the pass inevitably turning the ball over against the team that has the eighth highest amount of takeaways generated. And we're going to lose the game embarrassingly. As I mentioned before, we're going to lose 30 to 10. It's not even going to be close. It's going to be like 27 to three at the end of the first half after allowing, you know, 20 points in the second quarter. It's not going to be close. And so, yeah. That's the Packers versus Cowboys. We lose humiliatingly. We go three and seven. We probably have a top five pick in the draft uh, coming up. And we're not going to do much with it anyways uh, in in the draft because it's not like we need a QB because we're paying Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year. So, yeah, that's that. What about the Eagles? All right. About the Eagles, we are going to be facing off our NFC East rivals, the Commanders, and and I and I hope for all of America that Green Bay pulls off the upset against the Dallas Cowboys. I am praying to the gods for this. But um, anyways, um, Commanders and Eagles. This is actually going to be a Monday night game. Unfortunately, it will, I don't believe it's going to be on the Manning cast, which is perfectly fine. This, after that Thursday night question mark game um the eagles should be like pretty held up they should be like healed up and ready to go um but then again if you look at this commander's team they are playing so much this commander's team is playing so much better when taylor heineke is on 
when Taylor Heineke is on the field. Did you know that? Like, they actually have, they nearly beat the, the Minnesota Vikings. I was 20, so before, that, man. They were so I was, It would have been funny. It would have been so funny when that happened. However, it was not meant to be, but you have to give where credit is due to the commanders. I mean, if you were to pull, if I were to pull up the stats from that game and, and or, or um, from that game, Taylor Heineke was 15 for 28, 149, two, two touch, I mean, two touchdowns, one interception. And, but the biggest difference was that running attack with Brian, because they were able to move the ball a lot more with Brian, with this combination of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And, and as you correctly said it, the Eagles are weak against the run. And, and yes, um, according to the defensive DVOA, they are 3.3% rush, which is 27th. They're the 27th ranked rush defense DVOA. Um, and that's not too good Be- because when you're going up against a job, when you're going up against a, um, an Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr., they like the Eagles just came off after getting shellacked by Damian Pierce for like nearly 140 yards. And without, and the Eagles rush run defense without Jordan Davis, it was so poor because, and also the Eagles are so bad at tackling. I think, I believe they're, they've missed 41 straight, 40, they have 41 missed tackles as of now. You cannot do that against, uh, against, this, against an NFC East rival, especially with Antonio Gibson. He could play a dual threat. He could be a dual target threat. And Brian Robinson Jr., he has that down, downhill rushing style that can give Philadelphia fits early. Like, if I'm the Eagles, you have to, Jonathan Gannon has to do a better job in addressing on how to deal with that run game. If you have to put more men in from the box, and if you need to rearrange with proper stoppers, like with Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, maybe even bring um, TJ Edwards on, into, on the inside. If it helps, it works. And let Hassan Reddick run, rush the passer, not, I mean, not in like, not rock the passer in a penalty, but you know, you, you get the gist, right, Anand? You get the gist. Yeah, but, yeah. but here's my thing. You cannot, cannot, cannot allow this to happen. Like, do not, you cannot allow the rush. But you have to look at Taylor and, and Gannon will have to bring pressure because one interesting stat I found online, um, this is, I believe this is from Jimmy Kensky of the, the Philly Voice. When Heineke is pressured, he's done for 15 for 61 yards. And overall this season, he's been 13 for 23 against the Blitz for 153 yards. And, and apparently Heineke is really bad. He basically acts impromptu like a headless chicken. And... One weakness that the Eagles defense can, can, can exploit is that the commanders have an ongoing, um, ha, have, a, have a changing offensive line, and, and except for Charles Leno, which is their left tackle, they've, had, they've gone through so many different co- combinations. I believe they're on, they're, they're on their fourth center. They have, they've gone switched between Trey Turner and his backups. 
and Cornelius Lucas and Sam Cosme. So the commanders have started four different centers, three different right guards, and two different nine tack- right tackles. Seven different offensive line combinations. The only one is Charles Leno. So I would like to see Jonathan Gannon attack with the blitz because if you saw that, um, there was one other game that caught me by surprise. When Heineke returned, he, there was, it was between the Colts and the, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it reminded me again, it was Colton, Colton Commanders. Heineke throws a long bomb to Terry McLaurin to, in one of the plays, in that game-winning drive that helped them win the game. Heineke has that strong arm, but I have faith in my defensive backs in Darius Slay and James Bradbury to seal the likes of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, maybe Jahan Dawson when he comes back. But there's been a couple of injuries, man. Avante Maddox, the, sl- the slot corner for the Eagles, he, he did not practice today because of an because of a knee, and so is the backup of Josh Jobe. So I could see Zach McPherson, the rookie, or maybe even Josiah Scott come in and play. But the Eagles will need to bring it. They need to play sharp on defense. They have to limit this run, run damage game. And now on, on the offensive side, the Eagles' offensive line has to watch out for the likes of Jonathan Gannon, you know, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and Deron Payne. Those are those three monsters on that on that commander's defensive line, with that, and they've been doing pretty well with that Chase Claypool. And if you look at Jonathan Allen's um, stats, he has five point five sacks, eleven tackles for loss. Payne has four point five sacks and ten tackles for loss. And and both Allen and Payne rank third and fourth respectively in the NFL and tackles for loss. And they are, they do have a strong run defense. Um, if, in case you did not know that, did you know that? No. And, and with that being the case, like, but here's one issue that they have, like the, the, um, the commanders have allowed 361 yards on 71 carries on first down when they're facing a team that plays an 11 personnel offense. Um, basically, when we talk about 11 personnel and 12 personnel, um, please correct the viewers if, I, if what I'm saying is wrong. Anand. So when you're talking about 12 personnel offense, we are basically looking at, we basically try and bring in a two tight end set. 11 personnel is when you have your, not just your offensive line, but you have one tight end, you have two wide receivers and a running back mm-hmm. in that formation. Um, it, was that correct? Well, 11 personnel just means uh, one running back, one tight end. And 12 personnel means one running back and two tight ends. So that has nothing to do with the amount of wide receivers that you can have. Um, well, actually, I mean, technically it does. Uh, but yeah, it's specifically for a running back and tight end. Okay, thank you very much for the thank you very much for the clarification on this one, ladies and gentlemen. And ladies and gentlemen, if I said anything wrong, I do apologize for that. But however, the Eagles often, but what the Eagles can do is if they want to attack, and basically if Jonathan Allen is not on the field, as, but he's acting as a rotational piece, run the ball. They, and if you and you have to go early on a lone personal attack when Allen is not there. That's and and of course another big matchup is going to be the Eagles um, 
when the Eagles go empty set, meaning, and what I mean by empty set is that you don't have, um, it is basically there's no running back behind the quarterback. Instead, they line up in like a wide receiver. They line alongside with the wide receivers and or, and or tight ends. And if you recall, if you look back into that week three matchup, um, originally against the, against the commanders, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown combined for 13 catches for 254 yards and two touchdowns because of those contested catches, because the because whenever the Eagles ran empty set, they just torched those guys. They, they torched those defensive backs. So it so, um, so now I, I would say, I would think that the only way the commanders can control this is if they bring in the pressure early against Jalen Hurts and they force him to make such bad decisions. And another, and one thing, and, um, and, another, and another huge matchup I also would like to talk about, and this is what Jimmy Kemsky from the Failure Voice has bring in. He has this really incredible article called Five Different Matchups Between Commanders and Eagles. And, and what he says is completely true. In the first matchup, Goddard only had four targets, and he had three, for, three catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. And this was all the Eagles receivers, like, burning them out. But now, but they were, like, outstanding in the game, but it was that like work. But it was, like, looking. But now, here's one big weakness that the, that the um, commanders have. One of their, apparently one of their biggest um, weaknesses is the linebacker spot. And their captain, Cole Holcomb, is going to be missed miss week nine with a foot injury. So this could be a half. And so far, Dallas Goddard has been on a streak with catching 14 of his last 15 targets over the last two games. So I could see if the I could see if Jack Del Rio is trying to play soft cup, he's trying to play zone, and he's attack and he's trying to seal off AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. I mean, good luck trying to do that. I can see Goddard going for a high game along with Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal. And with the and with the way Jalen Hurst has been playing, I have no faith. I have absolute faith and confidence that he's going to take this on to the next level. Um, he keeps on. He he continues to play mistake-free football. And of course, he's going to say in his press conference that he's not satisfied with the win. And um, and man, this Eagles team is looking really, really good. The, like, and they should be pretty much healed up and healthy to go. I'm just hoping that they control this run game, and I am praying to God that this special teams doesn't come to buy this back in the butt. With this, I'm calling the Eagles to win this game 27 to 10. Because, but it could be a lot more closer because it's the NFC East. You never know what's going to happen. All righty. So that concludes the preview for week 10, and that concludes the episode for today. Sorry again, guys, for delaying this. Um, next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled episodes where we're going to do our recap. We're going to do a punch minute segment, masala moment, games of the week in our preview. Um, all of that fun stuff is coming back next week. And we hope to continue to hear from you guys. If you want to you know, let us know of anything that you guys have, leave us a review at one of the four platform uh, platforms that we host this podcast on apple google spotify or and pocket casts or 
You can send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. And we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, eagles fly. Happy Veterans Day to those that have served. Exactly. All righty. Take care, everybody.